You are listening to The Currency Welcome. I'm your host, I'm Mike Gaston. This is episode number 136 of the podcast. 136, and uh, I'm recording this the day after Thanksgiving, Friday, November 24th, 2023. I hope you're all doing well. It's uh, it's a great day to be alive. I'll have to say, um, yeah, I'm just standing on the other side of this election. Some of you folks know already the outcome. Others of you are like, I've been waiting to hear, Mike. And then there are others that are like, what what election? <laughs> Real quick, uh, just to cut to the chase, we won't bury the lead. We were not successful. We lost, I think is the technical term. <laughs> we, were, we were defeated. Uh, our opponent, uh, William Tinkler, ran a really good campaign. When I say good... You know, I don't like some of the stuff they did, but that's a fight, right? You're never going to like what the other guy does because uh, he's in it to win it. And so are you. He's not going to like what you do. But he and his team and his family, they fought really hard. They worked really hard. They were smart. They did a lot of smart things. And uh, we, we, you know, we worked really hard, too. And I feel like we ran a great campaign. I'm so proud of what we did. But I have to hand it to my opponent he beat me. He beat me in the runoff, and he beat me really good. Uh, I mean, he didn't destroy me, but he he got a, r- a really good solid win. So, uh, William, if you are listening, which I think you do listen from time to time, and if you're there with your son, I just want to congratulate you uh, on, on your victory. And uh, I guess my only hope is that you will govern well. But, um, yeah, folks, we... We worked really hard, and I'm proud of what we did. I mean, look, uh, and William's team was was uh, very diligent to point this out. But you know, look, I'm a damn Yankee, all right. I'm I'm from Western New York. Uh, that's where I was born, and I only moved here two years ago, just over two years ago. And so to be one of two people that make it to the runoff, there were five of us in this race. Uh, The other folks, you know, having lived either from here originally or having lived here much longer than me, um, in all cases, the other folks very active in the community and politics. They had names that were known on one level or another. We came in unknown uh, from out of town. We didn't come in from out of town, but we've only been here a couple of years. And if you know anything about Charleston or cities like Charleston, uh, it's it's quite provincial. And I don't mean that in a in a uh, kind of condescending way. I just mean it that this is a town that is based on family and history and genealogy. Like, how long have you been here? How many generations do you go back? You know, being born here is something, although you talk to some folks and being born here is not enough. I mean, you need to go back like 12 generations before they'll give you the time of day. But honestly, if you come in from out of town, especially if you come from the the North, you know, Ohio, New York are two uh, popular places that people come from uh, and, and aren't quite necessarily appreciated, to be quite honest, uh, that's, that's, a, that's a tough hill to climb right there. You, you know, folks are just mistrusting, and, and rightfully so. I mean, look, I left New York because of all the nonsense going on there. I wanted nothing to do with it. I was tired of it. Uh, so I understand people saying, hey, this person's from out of town. But, but I guess my point here is we had such a hill to climb, being unknown, being from out of town, being from the north. Uh, we were up against four competitors, opponents that all had name brand recognition on one level or another. And also we entered the race relatively late. Uh, you know, the, the William who won, William Tinkler, he, you know, was really preparing. As far as I can tell from financials, I mean, I don't know this. 
But he filed his first financial sometime in April, maybe May, I want to say, you know, with the state ethics. You have to file once you raise $500 or more. You know, so he had opened his campaign, was taking donations in at towards the beginning of this year. You know, we jumped in August 9th is when I filed. And before August 9th, we hadn't been preparing. This wasn't like, you know, we've been here a year. Let's start thinking about running for city council. So we didn't have much time. We had no brand recognition, uh, you know, no history here to beat out everyone except for William to get to the runoff and then to have a really good race those two weeks, uh, you know, we exchanged some blows and uh, they were, you know, they were prepared. They were, they were focused on winning and they were able to get the vote out. I think the final, I've got the numbers here. Hold on one second. The final count. Now this is for my district. This is in all of Charleston because there was also a runoff for the mayoral uh, race. But William Tinkler got 1,836 votes and I was able to get 1,078 votes. So we were about 700 shy of a victory, uh, you know, seven, 800 shy of a victory. But I'm really proud of what we accomplished. The fact that, I mean, the fact that we hung right in there, we went toe to toe, blow for blow, and we accomplished what we did is remarkable. And I think one of the reasons that we were able to do that is, you know, and, and to be fair, you know, this is my take on it, but to be fair, you know, my opponent really did not communicate very clearly his positions. He really ran on who he was and his history here. And and that's smart to a degree because, first of all, if he can win that way, he's not held accountable for on the campaign trail. You said, you know, fill in the blank, you are never going to do this or you're always going to do that. And on top of that, when you have an opponent that you know is weak on you know where he's from, et cetera, that's that's a potential liability. Now, I would argue it's a strength. We could talk about that all day long. Um, but you know, in the voter's mind, if that's a potential liability, then to hammer home, look, I'm I'm from here. I'm trusted. You know, I'm a known entity. My dad was on council before me. My sisters are county treasurer. He never said those words specifically, but that's kind of how they ran the race, um, their campaign. You know, it, it works. Uh, so, so we ran, though, on, on, on issues and policies and positions and very, very clearly, you know, we had three or four that we just hammered home over and over and over again, taxes, you know, infrastructure over development, uh, supporting, supporting um, public safety. And, you know, it, and, it, and it resonated. I mean, the fact that an, a total unknown first time ever running in my life I don't come from a family of politicians. I, I, I think, I think I had a great uncle or great great uncle, like a grandfather's brother kind of thing, or grandfather's cousin. I don't remember that uh, was mayor of Corning, New York. Uh, so you know, like I don't come from a political family. To be able to gain purchase with the voters, beat out a number of competitors, and make it and and show up. I mean, look, we showed up in that runoff. Yeah, it wasn't like he beat me 51-49, uh, but we showed up, and we showed up significantly. We broke the 1,000 mark, which I think was impressive. So all that to say, I think the reason for that, one of the reasons for that is that the voters resonated with the message. And I do think that having won, uh, my opponent now has to consider, well, what are those things that, that Gaston's people wanted? Because that's a big chunk of this district. Um, 
you know, you're going to get your fans. Like when you're on city council, uh, you're going to get your fans. There'll be people like, I love so-and-so. You know, the, the guy before us, Peter Shead, he's very popular with certain people because, well, I picked up the phone, we had an issue, and Peter took care of it. You know, and so they're just like Peter Shead, ride or die. And that's cool. But you're also going to get your detractors and you're going to get people that get frustrated. Like, I voted for you and you didn't deliver. And you're going to get people like, I didn't like you from the start. And now you're, you know, you're, deli- you're doing the opposite of what my guy said he was going to do. So, you know, I think the voters are paying attention to these issues. I think that's why we were able to connect so quickly and so well. And um, I think that's a good thing because I think raising voter awareness of the issues, giving people true choice. Uh, you know, we had five of us. It's a nonpartisan race. But I, I mean, I can tell you now, I mean, I, I'm a Republican I was the only Republican, the only conservative. All four of the others were Democrats. It was me versus four Democrats. And um, and if anybody locally argues with me, I can tell you I sat watching a Democrat operative go from a Democrat politician's office to the vote polling station, making sure that all the Democrats' signs were up, talking to the various Democrat candidates. This is unofficial. You know, this person isn't wearing any kind of identifying but I know who this person is, and I'm watching her go back and forth. I'm watching her argue with the poll manager. Who moved our signs? Who touched this? She wasn't just helping one candidate. She was helping all the Democrats. The, the mayor, the mayoral candidate running for, for office, it was Democrat, and my four opponents. She was helping all of them, making sure their signs were good and protected. And she wouldn't even make eye contact with me. Fair enough. I mean, I get it. But it's like if anybody says, well, this is nonpartisan, you shouldn't be talking Republican, Democrat. Well, the fact of the matter is you've got a Democrat operative supporting you, giving you aid and succor. <laughs> I don't even know how to say that word, succor, succor. I don't know. Um, you know, aiding and betting. <laughs> so I was the only Republican. I think we I think we accomplished something special. And I think people are, have woken up and say, hey, there are actual choices and city council, it's not just, you know, pick a name that looks good, like get into the issues. What is it that I'm looking for in representation? What matters to me? What do I think is wrong with our area? What's going well? What's my vision? And who aligns with those things? So I think it's good. And uh, I got to tell you, like, um, the experience for me was just transformational. It's phenomenal. Like everything about it, every single thing about this race has been phenomenal. And that's not an exaggeration, and that's not me trying to, you know, put a positive spin like, wow, I'm really, I'm really upset that I lost. So I'm just trying to talk myself out of it. No, this was phenomenal, phenomenal. It's transformational, and here's why. So there's the good, obvious good stuff, you know, like like we're able to raise, you know, over twenty six thousand dollars. That was humbling. I didn't have to put a nickel of my own money into this race. I didn't have to put any of our money. Now, you go, well, Mike, you, you really should put your money in. You, look, I gave blood, sweat, and tears. This was, a, this was practically my full-time job. I mean, this was around the clock, all-consuming, work-yourself, stupid uh, effort. So the fact that I didn't put money into this, I could have easily stroked a check for 10 grand and threw it in my account. No big deal. And I'm not trying to brag like I'm a high roller. I'm just saying like, I could have done that. But the level of sacrifice that we had to make of our of our hearts, our minds, our bodies, our time, it was just unbelievable how much work Lydia and I had to put into this. So I don't feel an ounce of guilt for not putting a nickel in because it's like, hey, 
you know, I, I can't fight a battle all by myself. And quite frankly, one of the interesting things about donations that a lot of people, you know, I've come to understand, I didn't know this, think about it beforehand, but a donation signifies support. When someone says, here's $50, here's $100, here's $20, here's $500, what they're saying is, I believe in you, I believe in your campaign, I believe in your message, I believe in your vision. That's big. That's really big, especially when you're talking about running for office. It's one thing to say, hey, I've got a business, people invest in your business. It's the same concept. But when you've got people putting their money in when you're a candidate, they're telling you, like, I believe in you as a candidate. Those are votes. Those are people that are going to help you get votes. Those are people that donate their time. They're all in. And that's uh, that's not to be taken lightly. So the fact that we raised, you know, over 26 grand, phenomenal. Uh, you know, William, my opponent did, he definitely outraised me. I mean, he had quite a leg up. He had a bit of a head start and he's got a great network here of people that know him and support him. So, uh, but we had enough, we had enough money to fight a really good fight and, um, you can always use more. There's more that we could have done. I don't know that that would have turned into like, would more dollars translate into a win? I maybe, maybe. I'm not certain that's the case. I mean, I feel like we had the money that we needed to run the race that we needed to run. Uh, Where was I going with all this saying just that we raised a lot of money? I was seeing how transformative this was. So that that was just amazing, the level of support on the financial side. The other thing, and I'm talking about the good things, I'll talk about some of the negatives that were transformational as well. The other thing was just the, the level of volunteer support. I mean, initially it was a little tough, but people really gave of their time in such a big way, such a big way, whether it was helping us do literature drops or door knocking or putting up signs or just, you know, holding, you know, hosting a meet and greet in their home. And it was just so many wonderful things that people did for us. And that was just humbling. Honestly, I just, I was just humbled by the amount of love and support and, and just generosity, um, given to us. So that was, that was awesome. And then the other thing I've mentioned this before, but going door to door was just a phenomenal experience. I've, I've said the same thing. Like I, I didn't want to do it. I was scared if I'm honest, you know, I gave a bunch of speeches. Don't mind that. Did meet and greets. Don't mind that. Did fundraising. Didn't mind that, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But going door to door, I was a little, I was, I, had, I was just terrified. It's like, Oh, here we go. You know, I got to knock on all these strangers doors. People were great. It was just, it was like one of the best experiences of the race was just meeting all the neighbors, talking to them, hearing what they were concerned about, uh, sharing my vision with them and hashing that out with them. It was just like, just such a great experience, such a great experience. But what about the negative stuff? Well, initially, you know, for instance, you get these things where, you know, whether it's the news media or your opposition, whether, you know, and when I say opposition, it could be a specific opponent. It could just be opposition, meaning like the Democrats, whatever that means. Is it, is there an office somewhere? Is it, is it a national thing where they're going into city council races and, you know, but you get in this situation where you're being attacked, you're being vilified, uh, you know, untruths are being spread about you, specifically lies, you know, that you're, you're aligned or associated or receiving money from certain groups and that those groups are hate groups. And, and somehow, you know, you're a horrible human being. And if, 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 you know, I get elected, I'm going to ruin the city. Uh, just, just all kinds of terrible things. The, the mayor 
was actually running ads on television and using my face in a photo at the end saying, you know, like there's this group of people trying to take over our city and cause chaos. And I was, you know, I was, my photo was there and it's like, and my name, you know, and like, this is one of these horrible people. And I, at first that created like so much anxiety for me. You just feel this sense of, um, there's a sense of horror. It's like, well, my reputation, because most adults you work, especially as a professional, I, I, you know, I'm just saying, I don't, I don't mean to say if you're not a professional, you don't care, but if you're in the professional world, you work very hard to protect your reputation. At least you should. You know, in the consulting work I do, in the businesses I've owned, I'm, I've always worked hard to have a good reputation. It means I'm always honest. I've, I've never, like, you know, pilfered a nickel. I've never overcharged a client. I've never fudged an invoice. I mean, I've just always, I, you know, I, I pay all my vendors on time because I, I just, there's this sense of, like, that's my name and my brand, if you will, I hate to say brand, but it's my character. And, and I've got a reputation and it matters to me. I, d- I don't want to be known as a bad person, as a cheat, as a liar, as untrustworthy. Like you want to be a, known as a hard worker, honest, dependable, trustworthy. So when you see uh, your reputation being destroyed publicly and you see a lot of people with, that don't even know you just hearing this about you and immediately going, yeah, he's horrible. Uh, you know, you go to somebody's door, a total stranger. Your list says that this should be a Republican. So you go to the door, you knock on the door, you think, okay, I'll have a friendly re- conversation with a Republican. Uh, you know, you're not going to tell them you're a Republican. You'll say, hey, I'm conservative, you know, here are my values. And that person answers the door and just starts, you know, yelling at you essentially or telling telling you, I'll never vote for you. Even if they're not yelling, like, I- I'll never vote for you. I know you're one of these bad people. And you're like, what are you talking about? Well, I read in the newspaper, I saw this, or I heard that. And uh, it's really hard at first. And so, so, so I found that like, it just, it just, it gets in your gut, you know? And I think that's a normal human reaction. We, no one, none of us uh, wants to be vilified. Um, I think Adam Smith, uh, you know, the famous uh, economist, who's well-known for the invisible hand and the kind of free market um, economics that we all know and love said, you know, most people want to be, to, to love and to be loved. Most people want to be found lo- lovely, that people look at them and think that they're lovely, meaning, you know, just good people, decent, attractive, desirable. He, he wasn't giving romantic advice, um, but most of us want to be found to be lovely by those around us. And so when you're attacked like that, it just, you know, for me, it made me sick. Well, that was at the beginning. And after a while, you just learn, like, I, I don't know what happened. That's why I say it was really phenomenal. It was transformational, even the negative stuff, because you would get attacked. I would get attacked. And after a while, I'd just laugh about it. It was just, it just was so ridiculous to me. And you start to realize, like, what people are saying about you and what some people are thinking about you is not you. It's not who you are. You start to realize, you know, this isn't, I mean, it is personal. They're trying to ruin you. They want to ruin you because they don't want you to win and they don't want to see you back the next time. So they want to make sure they ruin you and scare you and, you know, wound you enough that you you don't want this anymore. Uh, But after a while, you start to realize, like, this isn't personal. This isn't really about me. It's about something bigger. And I'm fighting for something bigger. And I believe in something bigger, something deeper than just my character or my personality or my reputation. I'm fighting for something beyond myself. 
And once you start to understand that and you see how the other side works, you kind of laugh. You're just like, yeah, they're going to see all this stuff about me. I'm going to get back in there and I'm going to punch that much harder. I'm going to work that much harder. It just rolls off your back. And I just found that to be liberating. Like there was just, you know, I'm going to go on and on here, but it was just a really a phenomenal um, experience to be, you know, vilified publicly. Also, the other thing too is, you know, in most of my work, you know, I'm, I'm a business guy and you get into boardroom battles here and there. You get into personality issues with different people that just, you know, for whatever reason, have a beef. Um, and sometimes you get into it with a competitor. You know, you, you and a competitor, I've had this in years past where when I own my agency, you know, maybe another agency is trying to get in there and, you know, they're just, it's just like that kind of you know, like backbiting, kind of petty, competitive nonsense, which you've, you, you rarely, rarely, rarely in the, in the professional world get savaged personally in a meeting, let's say, where someone just outright attacks you to tr- and just eviscerates you publicly, just takes you out, you know, just full on assault. You know, you're associated with these people, almost like a trial attorney. You know, they're just like a throwing accusations, demanding you give an answer. When you start to give an answer, they cut you off with the next accusation. And their whole goal is just to like totally confuse and overwhelm you. And then obviously to just destroy you in front of everybody so that you have no credibility in front of the people that just saw it happen. So so being more from a professional world, like I went into this um, kind of just in that mindset, like you're going to come into a meeting, it might be a tough meeting, but hey, you've had lots of tough meetings, big deal, you know, and these people are going to ask you some questions. And, and I, <laughs> one of my first meetings, and I'll give you a little background. A lot of groups out there, um, Chamber of Commerce, real estate, you know, associations, et cetera, will put out questionnaires saying, hey, fill out this questionnaire. We'd like to know your stance in these various positions because we're considering, A, who we will endorse, and B, uh, we, we might, you know, throw some resources behind you, meaning we'll help, you know, like political action committee will throw some uh, mailers out there, maybe do some text SMS campaigns for you. So, you know, you fill these things out uh, if you're a novice, I guess. Um, you fill these things out and you get invited in for an interview if they're interested. And so one of these I went to early on uh, and I got savaged, savaged by an individual in there who come to find out. See, this is my naivete. Uh, he's a political hack. He's a former politician. Well, he's a politician. He's run for our state I want to say as a state representative, not as a senator, but as a state representative and lost. He raised a couple hundred thousand. He ran as a Democrat. He lost in 2020. Younger guy, uh, developer and uh, former military pilot, you know, impressive, impressive CV, but, um, but uh, you know, unprofessional in that meeting. But he didn't care. I mean, his goal was not to be professional. His goal is to destroy me. And I didn't see it coming. I mean, I was new to all this. I just went in thinking, well, I'm going to meet, um, you know, with this real estate group and they're going to ask me a bunch of questions and I'm so new at this, I'm probably going to mess up and they're probably not going to endorse me. I didn't go in with high hopes. I thought this is good. You should get out there, talk to these people, get the experience. And uh, so I thought there's going to be some tough questions I can't answer or I can't answer well, but this is important. I should do this. Well, I mean, I got destroyed. I mean, it wasn't even tough questions. I just got mauled. And <laughs> nobody nobody in that meeting, there was a lot of folks in that around that boardroom table. Nobody jumped in and said, hey, hold on a second. This is not how we want to treat candidates. Uh, I mean, I th- if you think about it, 
what if I won? I mean, what if by some chance I won? Now you've got a whole real estate association uh, for Charleston that's got a candidate in there now now is a uh, holding office with with probably an axe to grind. I mean, it was just I was kind of glad for it. I mean, at first it, it bothered me. You know, I walked out of that meeting like, what the hell just happened? I was angry. I was embarrassed. It was just like it was just so wrong. Uh, and then I realized, like, hey, dude, you're in politics, and you just got jumped. That's what that looks like. And the good thing about being jumped like that, it was so early on, I realized, well, now I know what their I know what their angle of attack is because the points that this person put on the table and where he kind of came at me, it revealed to me where they're going with all this. I was like, okay, so I kind of know what I'm up against. But um, but even going through that, you just get in more of a state of mind where you're prepared, not meaning you're defensive all the time, but you start realizing like, okay, I'm I'm on a battlefield. I need to know my enemy's positions. I need to know where they are, who they are, what you know, what are they, what do they got in their arsenal, um, and you just get better at that, and uh, and you realize like, okay, uh, politics is a full contact sport, so. Very, very eye-opening. I I've just grew uh, immensely as an individual, personally, and uh, professionally as well. So, yeah, great experience. And and the upside is lots of folks insisting, like within minutes of us realizing we didn't win, that we weren't going to win, um, you have to stay involved. You have to run again. You know, what are you going to run for? We need you. Like, you did such a great job and such with, with so little to work with. Like, you, you're a natural, you know, you got you to gotta stick with this. So, <laughs> um, you know, I, I, I want to tease my opponent and say I'm coming back in four years. That's not necessarily true. Uh, I, I've told everybody, look, I just need a little bit of time. Not because I'm licking my wounds, but we just put so much into this that I just need a little bit of a rest. And to be fair, uh, I've got great clients and, you know, I kept doing my client work, but I would like to, I'd like to do more. And there's some in, important initiatives. They've been great. My clients have been very gracious and, you know, supportive uh, and, and maybe even in, um, entertained a little bit that I'm running for office. But, you know, that, that only goes so far. I've got to, I've got to dig back in here. We've got some important projects going on. So I'd like to give it some time before I decide you know, heck, I'm right back at it. Um, and, and really, there's no race uh, right now that that I would feel that I'm, you know, in a good position to run for. So all the way around, wonderful. Yes, we lost. Uh, yeah, that was tough. But quite honestly, I don't regret it for a minute. And I am very proud, very proud of what we accomplished. We accomplished something special. And if I'm on the other side... You know, Democrats have run Charleston for well over 100 years. In fact, this I mentioned there was a mayoral runoff. Uh, William Cogswell, Republican, was able to beat the incumbent mayor, John Tecklenburg. William Cogswell, again, we're nonpartisan, but he's a Republican. He served in our state Senate as a Republican. William Cogswell is the first Republican mayor since 1877, 1877, 1877. That's like almost 100, was it like 150 years or so? I, I don't, I'm trying to do quick math here, but I'm not going to try. Uh, I think if you look at what just happened in the mayoral race, I think if you look at how well I did being issues-based, especially the handicaps that I had as a, as a, as a candidate and, and how well my opponent was able to kind of take advantage of those handicaps and also take advantage of his strengths. I mean, he played to his strengths and... And he was smart to do that. I think if we had to go toe-to-toe -to -toe strictly on the issues, 
he would have lost this election. And I think he knew that. Um, you know, his, his kind of mantra was status quo, as best I can tell. And he seemed to be pro-development. Uh, a lot of folks don't want more high-density development. He seemed to be fine with that. Um, although, uh, towards the end, when I did some mailers that punched hard on his high-density uh, claims then, you know, he, <laughs> magically the newspaper uh, corrected an article that we quoted saying, oh, uh, that's not true. He never said that. You know, it sat like that for weeks. But then as soon as we, we punched on that, the, the newspaper strangely changed it. So I would imagine now, I didn't know, I wouldn't have known or believed this before, but I would imagine now he'd argue, no, 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 he doesn't want high density development. But uh all the records seem to show and, and, and the feedback I was getting that, that, he, that he has been. So anyway, where am I going with all that? I think if we had to go toe-to-toe on the issues, um, I think I would have been victorious. But, you know, to his credit, um, he, he ran a smart race, he and his team. So do I like it? No. But uh, the people have spoken, and this is a democracy. And, um, and I'm hoping that he's successful in his role because as a resident of our district, I want our district to do well. And I'm hoping that he provides good leadership for us and represents us well. And uh, to that end, I'll support him. So that's that. Uh, interestingly, we, we thought we might get into the runoff. We'd been planning for Lydia and I to go back to South Africa. It's her mother's 80th birthday. It was yesterday. And so what we did is we said, you know what? I'm not going to go, but you go. But can you wait until the runoff is over? She didn't want to leave me halfway through. And I'm grateful she didn't because I, I couldn't have done what we did through the runoff without her help. Lydia was just... Phenomenal. I've, I, you know, you, man, did I marry well. I mean, such a hardworking woman and, and just so supportive and not just supportive, like looking at me going, oh, you're wonderful. But like, she just put, she put, she put, boy, she put leather to ass. I mean, she just got to work and she pulled people in and uh, she just made a lot of stuff happen. So very grateful. Lydia, not sure if you're listening to this, but I love you and thank you. And the reason I'm giving this shout out is because yesterday on Thanksgiving Day, we put Lydia on an airplane for South Africa. She got in uh, late this morning and is with her family now. And they're going to have kind of a weekend long celebration of family and friends for my mother-in-law, Charlene. Happy birthday, mom. And uh, they'll be together for a while. So that's really good. So yeah, lots going on, but I want to give you guys a, a quick update. Um, w- one good thing, if you've hung in there this long, uh, now that the race is over, you should be expecting more podcast episodes, regular podcast episodes. Very excited about you know what we're going to be doing with the podcast. And I've been doing some groundwork to be able to put some more YouTube videos together. So looking forward to doing that as well. So hopefully... A um, little bit of an absence, but hopefully we'll make up for that with some great content going forward. So, guys, thank you so much for your support. Love you all. You guys have been great. I mean, a lot of audience members supportive with prayers, encouragement, money. You guys have just been phenomenal. And I'm humbled by that. I mean, this whole thing, if, gosh, if you don't come out of this with a sense of gratitude, there's no hope for you. I mean, it's just such an amazing experience. So, with that, I will tell you all I love you. I'm grateful for you, and I will catch you in the next episode.